0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.
2: Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson.
3: As we've been monitoring this morning, President Biden held a roundtable with business leaders on the supply chain disruption task force. Again, the, the supply chain is really becoming uh, and staying an issue. Uh, we thought we'd have a little more clearance by now with some of the things that have taken place. Uh, Still real bogged down there at the ports. Uh, They discussed this morning some of the things that they did right in 2021, as well as some of the things that need to get going if we are going to correct this supply chain issue rolling into 2022. Uh, Beginning, uh, John uh, Porcari, a port envoy to the Supply Chain Distribution Task Force, he began by highlighting some of the incentives and some of the innovations that were helping to ease some of those supply chain
4: bottlenecks. Uh, One of the ocean carriers, uh, CMA-CGM, has opened their gates 24-7 at their marine terminal and uh, uh, put uh, an incentive of $100 per container uh, for moving the uh, containers that have been there zero to eight days and $200 uh, to do it nights and weekends. That's to increase the velocity of the containers uh, uh, and move them as quickly as they hit the docks. The two railroads, BNSF and Union Pacific, have put incentives uh, on those moves as well. In Pier Pass, which is the fee on truckers uh, uh, using the ports, has been waived nights and weekends to increase 24-7 uh, operations as well. Innovations around the country include uh, the Port of Savannah, the Georgia Ports Authority, uh, with federal help, has put together a number of pop-up sites inland, in some yeah. cases hundreds of miles uh, inland uh, from uh, the port. Uh, to move by rail and then truck, uh, both imports and exports, and about 500,000 containers a year will ultimately be moved that way. So together, these innovations in hard work have really increased the fluidity and velocity at, at the ports. They've helped activate increased activity all along the goods movement chain.
3: Yeah, we always applaud good behavior and good progress, uh, and I think this represents that. I think it was very important that uh, Mr. Prakari pointed out the fact that, look, some of this is happening just because of what businesses are doing. Uh, the incentives, the incentive programs uh, that just companies have done on their own, of their own volition, uh, are making a difference. He also mentioned some of the ports that were being helped uh, some of these pop-up uh, ports, so to speak, that we're, being, uh, that were using federal funds uh, doing that as well. So this public-private partnership is is really critical as we look at really working on the supply chain issue. Also interesting, Chris Connor, who's the CEO of Sherwin-Williams, uh, said that the extended port hours made a big impact and that they need to make sure they're doing everything they can to make sure those continue.
2: The extended port and terminal hours of operation were needed and will continue to be needed simply to keep pace With the 24 by 7 operating models from some of our primary trading partners, these extended hours had to start in the U.S. ports and now need to spread as they are beginning to spread across the entire supply chain.
3: So the 24-7 factor there, the CEO of uh, FedEx, Fred Smith. Uh, he started to see another critical component. So having the, the ports open and operating 24-7, having some of those incentives going there, all critical. Uh, Fred Smith talked about the fact that we are starting to see some more labor participation, and that's a critical piece of the puzzle as well.
5: Uh, the biggest issue that we experienced over uh, the summer uh, was lack of, of uh, labor in the, for sortation. Uh, to a lesser degree on the delivery side. Uh, To give you one statistic, which will uh, illustrate that point, we processed uh, approximately 52,000 employment applications online, of course, these days in May, May the 8th, that week. Uh, Over the last few weeks, we've exceeded 111,000 applications. So that's beginning to open up the supply chain. And uh, there's still pockets, uh, The several articles in the, in the business press today uh, in that regard. Just in the last quarter, working around those isolated pockets cost us about $240 million. So getting to your point on inflation, as those began to smooth out, I think you'll see less pressure on, on uh, pricing in, in certain product uh, categories.
3: President Biden uh, said he wanted to see more goods made in the U.S. Uh, and as part of this idea of how do we really have a more resilient supply chain, uh, as we first rolled into the pandemic, we saw all of those bottlenecks and backups happen, uh, partly because we were so dependent on things coming from overseas uh, that there is a real need. And I, th- I like the fact that the president highlighted this today as he was meeting with many of these top executives.
1: We also need to build resilience into our supply chains. We can never again be left vulnerable the way we were in the early days of COVID-19. One important way to do this is to make more things here in America. That has been a goal of mine since day one of my administration. We've added more than 300,000 U.S. manufacturing jobs, more than 300,000 added since I took office in January 20th. And we're going to keep at it. Because the more the more of what we buy in America should be also made in America.
3: So that uh, important resilience and what we are manufacturing, of course, uh, we've exported so much of our manufacturing out of the country. That'll be an entire topic for another day. Uh, But the president is right uh, that that is part of the issue. It is part of what we experienced early on during the pandemic. Uh, Also, I want to go back to uh, Sherwin-Williams CEO Chris Conner, and while he was pleased that they've made all of this progress, again, this is a combination of what has been done by the government and by business. Uh, So often, politically, we end up just demonizing one side or the other. It's either the big, bad federal government or the big, bad uh, corporations, and that's just not the reality, folks. Uh, We can have a real conversation, and I think that's what they had today. And I applaud the president for being part of that crucial conversation. Uh, so uh, Chris Conner, again, from Sherwin-Williams, he's the CEO there, he says, yeah, this is this is good. We're making good progress. But he also cautioned, he said, look, this is not the time to exhale. Uh, we've got to remain vigilant.
2: Despite, despite the systemic flaws that are still there and we still have a battle ahead of us, there's been some unbelievable human efforts and collaboration happening. So Mr. President, the dominoes are beginning to move in the right direction. But I want to stress this is a significant cultural and operating model change. So continued focus and vigilant is an absolute.
3: Now, that is one of the things I love about Chris Connor from Sherwin Williams is he 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 nailed it. I don't know if you I'm just gonna repeat his last line there. He said this is significant cultural and operational model change. So this is transformation of the highest order. Uh, This is not easy. It is challenging to change a culture. And he's talking about businesses. He's talking about government. uh, He's talking about unions. uh, He's talking about all of those things and how crucial it is to decide, okay, what kind of culture are we going to have in this operation? How are we going to interact with each other? Are businesses and government just going to be adversarial all the time? Uh, Or are we going to come together together? and figure out the best way to move things, the best, thing to, to, the best way to serve customers, to serve the American people. Uh, finally, I want to go back to President Biden. He said he wants to focus on competition next year and help address the high prices and, of course, the very largely looming inflation challenge.
1: We need to make sure that there's a robust competition across industries. Competing is what encourages companies to innovate. Encourage them to invest, to build, and offer lower prices. I'm going to be convening my competition council earlier next year, in January, to keep pushing for more bold action because healthy competition is a hallmark of healthy capitalism.
3: That competition is a critical part of the the puzzle here. And remember, we're not just uh, competing here in America. We're competing around the world. And it is so vital that we do have a supply chain uh, that rolls, that we have ports that are functioning at peak efficiency. Uh, One of the hardest things to do is to sustain excellence. It's so easy to rest on your laurels. It's so easy to get comfortable with the status quo. Uh, I think it's the most dangerous thing we face in the country uh, is mediocrity. And I think what has been exposed over the course of the pandemic was we allowed a lot as it relates to our ports. Uh, and uh, how we process to get very mediocre. And that's when you get into trouble. And so I think this was an important meeting for the president to convene. I think some good progress has been made, and I think there is much, much more to come. We're going to step aside for Bottom of the Hour news. When we come back, we'll be joined by Representative Blake Moore, do a little look back, some surprises from his first year in our nation's capital. Stay with us right here on KSL News Radio.